Welcome to Frontier War Stories, episode 25. Before I go any further, I just want to warn our listeners, uh, we will be talking about uh, massacres, um, Aboriginal people uh, who have uh, died on the frontier. Uh, This is episode 25 of Frontier War Stories. Uh, Before I go any further, uh, I would like to pay my respects uh, to the country on which I make this podcast and where my guest uh, is from and also the listeners. And I would also like to pay my respects to Aboriginal people who fought in the frontier wars, which began as early as 1788 and lasted till up to 1930s, and lasted till the 1930s. That's roughly 140 years that Aboriginal people continued to fight. I'd also like to pay my respects to all the mobs around this beautiful continent today. Each episode, I speak with different Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people about research, books, oral histories which document the first 140 years of conflict and resistance. These times are the frontier wars and these are our war stories. In episode 25, I'll be chatting about the Battle of Miwa, which was a part of the frontier. Uh, This battle in particular and happened on the 12th and the 13th of September in 1843. Uh, one of the chiefs or, uh, of the area, a proud Yagara man, Multagara, and the surrounding allied tribes led the masterful resistance now known as the Battle of Miwa, or as people know locally nowadays, as One Tree Hill. In this episode, I'll be chatting uh, to two different people. Um... Dr. Mark Copeland, but my first guest is Joshua Waters. Brother, how are you going? Yeah, good, brother. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Uh, just before uh, we go any further, uh, tell us um, a bit about yourself, your mob, and where you're from. Uh, yeah, so I'll uh, start uh, by My name is Josh Waters. I'm a proud Kamilaroi or Kamilaroi Maringaya, an Aboriginal man from the original people of what is now commonly referred to as the Northwest. Um, slopes and Liverpool Plains areas of New South Wales, uh, currently residing on, on Jarrah Gable and Western Wakwaka lands, uh, acknowledging their con- continuing sovereignty too. On the 13th uh, of September, every year for a couple of years now, uh, the Friends of Multagra have been paying uh, their respects, commemorating and honouring the efforts uh, of Multagara, uh, his father and the many other warriors who fought in and around uh, that country, but in particular the Battle of Maywa. Uh, could you tell us a bit about uh, the Battle of Maywa and uh, your involvement? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm part of a group called the Friends of Maltagra, as you mentioned. Um, so I guess the group basically is designed to promote and raise awareness for the not often enough spoken about history of this area, um, and namely the violent sort of elements of colonisation and, and invasion that took place and are still taking place over this, in this country. Um, over the last sort of 180 years or so. Um, and in particular, I think our, our main function and purpose is about generating a critical sort of awareness around the event uh, that we now call the, the Battle of One Tree Hill or the Battle of Miwa. Um, and then just also, like I said, uh, taking time to reflect upon um, some of those events and uh, especially uh, the legacy of the man that we now call Mopagara. Um And... Uh, Malpagra, I guess, as, as most people will know by now, there's, there's a little bit of information out there, and you've, you've covered some um, really great stories in that space. Uh, uh, we, we try to sort of uh, look at the resistance campaign that, that he led against the encroaching white settlers in 1843. And uh, to some degree, like along with the, the name of the group, so the Friends of Malpagra, we try to embody and influence some of the ideas around relationships with country uh, in community and on land. Um, Maltagara also sort of no secret that he was, he was known for his ability to form and develop strong relationships across all of Southeast Queensland. Um, and you can see that, um, pretty prominently in all, in a lot of that history. Um, so that was with the Indigenous peoples, but as we know now as well, like his, his ability to form relationships with non-Indigenous peoples, as we, as is with the case, um, with his, what he called his white brother, uh, John Tinker Campbell. Um, so in that, we try to really, well, I guess we've got the foundation principle of connection to country, which is what Maltagara was fighting for. 
um, <clears throat> and but also collaboration uh, in the work that we do and trying to uh, instill a sense of, of connection to country and, and going about ways to protect country um, and, and bringing with that an emboldened sense of community and key word in there would always come back to is unity uh, and collaboration uh, with every everyone and everything in this area and in this space uh, and the battle of the commemoration of the battle of one tree hill which is now in its seventh year is a space where we can sort of see that in action so um we we, we take a lot of pride in, in making sure that uh we we get a critical mass of followers and, and people coming along to that event every year to try and raise that awareness and promotion of the history of this area um in mm. terms of what the journey of friends of Maltaga is trying to do with the broader public uh, in and around sort of the Toowoomba area. Is it sort of the same thing, you know, bring together the, 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 the broader mm-hmm. community and could you tell us a bit about um, on the day as well, uh, the commemoration day uh, uh, for the battle of Miwa, you know, and the different uh, people who were involved in commemorating and, and laying reefs as well. Cause I thought that was uh, pretty important and, and, and amazing as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Friends of Maltaga is basically modelled on the uh, the Mile Creek model. So as, as you know, it's quite effective and, and definitely uh, is a is a big attractor for communities all across New South Wales, I think southern Queensland and also like uh, parts of Victoria and the ACT. So people come very far and wide to attend that ceremony or that commemoration. Um, and I think like every time I've been uh, the things that I've seen about it, uh, and then I think SBS Vice made a video about the, that meeting between the descendants of the perpetrators and the descendants of the survivors. Um, there's Blake, I think, and Aunty Sue Blacklock, uh, and that's very, very special uh, story there uh, because of the restorative component of it, and uh, that's sort of a similar approach that we were we weren't intentionally building towards over the last few years, but I think just the way that, and then again, like going back to the essence of, of what Maltagara was and who he was and what he fought for, uh, it just those types of events really have the power to capture um, a restorative uh, energy, I think, where you have people who, who are really committed to uh, promoting good and right relationships. And so in the same light that we have... Um, We've seen that happen at Mile Creek. Uh, this year, we had uh, we we have had uh, descendants of the of uh, Maltagara, direct descendants and direct, uh, descendants of the survivors of the Battle of One Tree Hill. Uh, also, we we did have some interest come from the the 25th 49th uh, Battalion, uh, Queensland Royal Regiment, who were interested in partaking in the ceremony this year. So uh, they reached out, and we had an initial meeting with them. Uh, and just uh, we found them to be very uh, genuine, very committed uh, to restoring those right relationships between uh, what was the 25th, 49th Battalion, who weren't directly involved in, in, in any of those processes in 1843. Uh, certainly none of the people were, obviously, but um, the, the concept of the military itself and their involvement within uh, within um the destruction of those uh, lands and tribes people at that time. Uh, so we were looking at a, a bit of a unique uh, approach this year by having their involvement um, and looking at a restorative relationship between us and them and um, making sure that uh, that was directly observable by community because that's, that's one of the pinnacles of good and right relationships. And also, as you mentioned, like position and orientation uh, in accordance with things that have happened in, in history. Uh, we're all here now um, trying to work out um, the best that we can, how, how to promote and restore those good relationships. And these are just starting points uh, with hopefully a long-term vision of, of continuing that involvement and to continue to demonstrate um, those values and embody them uh, of what Maltagawa was there to exemplify. So what do you think of uh, the idea of having one national day to commemorate and honour um, uh, the frontier conflicts, and and also, I'm, I, I I remember I put this out on my social media a couple of weeks ago, and mm. and a cousin of mine, uh, my auntie, my dad's sister's son, mm-hmm. said this amazingly as well, and um, he said, um, you know, we shouldn't um celebrate or commemorate in the way that um, a white fellows do. 
because what they're essentially doing is celebrating war, you know, mm. uh, uh, and honouring these people within that aspect. You know, when we do it for our mob, you know, how should we honour or celebrate our mob uh, in that instance? But then also, yeah, are you open to the idea of having one central day or or should we just keep it to more localised days? Like, uh, I don't think it needs to be mutually exclusive. I think we can do both and that's kind of evidenced in the way that uh, Anzac Day is looked at and honoured and commemorated. Um, I do I do think that's a really interesting point um, in how uh, how we go about celebrating that. Um, I do think that uh, it's, it's definitely worth looking at uh, and that would come down to the, the input um, and the desires and the needs of each local community and that's the thing, like it, all of our communities are different in how they go about things. Um, when we look at the frontier wars, like it is, it is, uh, we do call them frontier wars and we do call them resistance wars. Um, maybe, maybe it's a starting point for all of that is looking for new language about how we describe those things because, uh, ideally and essentially they weren't, they weren't necessarily wars in the same way that when we look at, uh, Gallipoli and Vietnam and, um, and all those places, uh, where, where those other wars took place and, and, um, that might be the starting point is to have a critical discussion about how we describe those things uh, the same way that uh, we've gone about discussing and um, pushing back against some of the terms that, that have been used to describe the, col- the colonization and invasion of, of these lands. So um, I'm definitely open to, to looking at that. And uh, and like I said, I think um, what it, based on the needs of each community, um, they'll do that differently. I do think um, over time we, we should look at... Uh, ceremoniously sort of uh, solidifying our, our involvement in those because those, those processes, uh, those histories, those stories are all really important um, for the reasons that I mentioned before. And ceremony also is a way that descendants um, keep in touch with their ancestors. So when we look back at those times in 1843 or 1833 where, um, or 1838 on our country, um, all the way up until... Uh, today, um, I think when we look back at those events and those histories, uh, they are an important part of working out where where we're going from here, uh, and it has the power to determine and, and to dictate uh, what our communities will look like moving into the future. You know, for people who, you know, uh, come to the 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 Battle of Miwa, Miwa, sorry, uh, our commemoration. Over you, and and for people who don't, but you know, support you know the idea of sort of remembering, uh, uh, not just this particular battle and event, but the many around this country. What is it that you'd sort of uh, like for them to sort of take out of uh, 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 events such as these as well? Uh, yeah, I think the the key objective for us is is that, like I said, the promotion of good and right relationships in community. Um, we only exist in relation to the things around us. And, and if you don't have good relations uh, with the people and the things around you, then, then you'll start to see uh, collapse uh, in, in ourselves, in our society, uh, in our communities. And, and in some ways we sort of see the direct evidence of that to some degree. Um, so what we're trying to do is look at how we can restore uh, promote and advocate for good and positive relationships, uh, particularly across Southeast Queensland. So we, we've got a little bit of a sphere of influence, but um, yeah, we, I, I guess also um, I'd like to see more community involvement. Like and we, we do see that we get um, bigger numbers every year, more involvement. Um, we, we were very, very lucky this year in that we, we had uh, some of our plans go awry on, on, uh, on Monday. Uh, but we were really uh, thankful for some of the community members who just uh, who jumped on board straight away. Uh, we had a really good and um, deep uh, relationships with some of the local community organisations and schools uh, who who really helped out on the day. Um, and you wouldn't have seen um, much of a glitch in the day, fortunately for us. Uh, but yeah, we, we had a, a number of things go wrong. Uh, that morning, and then also like just the way that the community bounced back and stepped up and said, "Yeah, we're 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 happy to help. We're keen to help. We're keen to jump in." Um, so it does go to show that um, through 
these types of events and activities and celebrations uh, that we do, we are forming a community. And sooner or later, uh, those people who who don't who aren't as willing to acknowledge uh, shared histories and our shared past uh, might need that kind of support one day. Uh, and I, I certainly uh, hope that um, they have a community around them, and they should know that they can always, whether or not they agree with what we're doing or where we're going with all of this. Um, they'll always have a, a friend in the Friends of Multagra. And for anybody that is uh, listening and, and, and want to look online about how they can support or where they can find more information about uh, Multagra or even uh, the Battle of Miwa, where can they go? Do you have a website uh, or a Facebook page? Uh, no, no website yet. So as you mentioned before, like we're, we're community-driven. Um, we, we don't get paid for anything that we do. Um, outside of our general sort of working roles, uh, there's no funding that sort of comes in. Um, we uh, do have a Facebook page, so you can find us on Friends of Maltagara, uh, and that will keep you sort of in the loop with all the events and activities that we're leading up to. So we're, we're, we're looking at, um, uh, obviously, ways to continue the Battle of One Tree Hill commemoration, Battle of Miwa commemoration, uh, and then uh, looking at how we can sort of host uh, and facilitate events all throughout the year. So hopefully at some point we will get um, some guest speakers uh, up around the selling Downs um, to, to continue this conversation. And also uh, we're looking at sort of events around uh, January 26th and how we can appropriately acknowledge that in a, in a meaningful way. Um, because as, uh, like, uh, up here and like most places, there's big celebrations on January 26th and often uh, that comes at the expense of some of our uh, our, our other histories um, that are still part of Australia, um, but they often get ignored. So, yeah, head to Facebook, uh, Friends of Maltagara, uh, and we'll con- we'll keep people in the loop from there and continue to build on our on our, um, our work here. Uh, for the listeners, really quickly, uh, my first uh, guest on Frontier War Stories, episode twenty-five, Joshua Waters, Gumaray Man. My second guest, Dr. Mark Copland. Uh, Mark, just really quickly and firstly, could you tell us a bit about yourself, who you are and, and, and where you're from? Yeah, thanks, Bo. Um, so I'm uh, currently uh, live in Toowoomba. Uh, my day job, I work uh, with the hospital, St. Vincent's Hospital, on the leadership team. Um, I grew up probably the, the, the place that had the most impact and I would still resonate very much with. Um, I grew up on the um, lands of the Bigambul and Gumaroi people around on Gundawindi, um, on the Kalbon Kunikul, the um, McIntyre River. And um, that childhood um, impacted on me, uh, I guess, getting to observe, witness and probably participate in um, racism. Um, I yeah, was conscientitized and, um, yeah, started to do a bit of um, historical research um, of my own um, hometown and discovered that it was uh, the birthplace of a Queensland Native Police. Um, so that, that started me on the journey around discovering more about um, our shared history. Uh, and so, I, you know, went on and did a PhD in history and um, I've done a few different things, but still very committed. Um, to owning our our past um, and then w- working together uh, for our future. Uh, on the 13th of September, um, every year for the last seven years, uh, the Friends of Multagara have been organising uh, and getting together uh, for the commemoration of uh, the Battle of One Tree Hill, or as it's known by its traditional name, Miwa. With, I guess, talking about... Uh, the Battle of Miwa, we sort of can't leave out, and, and, I don't, and I don't necessarily want to leave out sort of, you know, um, the people who are associated within the battle, you know, Maltagara, but then also I would love to talk about his father, who, um, from my understanding, uh, which isn't much, uh, he was a very significant and prominent uh, Aboriginal man from in and around uh, that area um, and was very respected. Uh, could we, yeah, have a bit of a chat about, I guess, the role that Maltagara's father would have played in and around this area, uh, and if you if you do know about him? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm probably not the best 
<clears throat> authority on that. But my understanding is that, you know, as you say, was um, uh, very significant and respected. Um, and, you know, his sons were, were um, up-and-coming great, great uh, leaders and warriors. And so when his, um, yeah, when his camp uh, was attacked and when he was killed, that had a massive um, impact on, on Malkagra. And I, I guess the, um, yeah, the, the violence kind of escalated uh, or, the, yeah, there, there was a great um, understandable wish to revenge um, the, the taking of his father's life. Um, yeah, but I... Mm. It had kind of, um, I mean, it almost seems trivial, but <clears throat> it's not when it's your home. Um, my understanding is that they had, the mullet were running up um, on the north, north coast and uh, they came back and, uh, yeah, the, the camp had been raided and dogs had been killed um, when they came back near Grantham uh, by a, a white man um, called Coffee Rogers. So, yeah, I guess that. Yeah, that that was very much um, a little spark that that lit the fire. Mm. But it is important, um, I guess, um, for me, what my learning has been that whilst we stop and remember one day, uh, that there were many, many uh, battles, and this was part of a uh, resistance campaign across a number of years. Mm. Um, So I guess... Sorry, go, yep. You go, no, no, that's it. When we think of... Uh, frontier conflict uh, and the frontier wars and the battles we and, and and I guess even outside of that, you know, when we think of something significant, we think of this one impactful moment uh, or this one sort of impactful individual as well. And um, what I've become aware of um, from from doing the podcast in itself is just here in Southeast Queensland, there were so many amazing uh, uh, First Nations warriors who, you know, fought alongside, you know, Moppy, Maltagara, Dundali, you know, Billy Barlow and 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 the many more who, who I don't know about, you know, and, and I'm, I'm hoping to learn more about as well. And, and as you mentioned, you know, it's a, it's a part of this massive sort of, uh, um, I don't know, web of sort of events that took place um, in in key places um, uh, and, and in areas that, you know, we feel as if um, that we, we belong to these areas or areas that we don't necessarily think where these events happened because of where they're located and, and, and what's sort of sitting on top of these areas today. You know, yeah. uh, many yeah. places are, are very, very significant. You know, like one thing, one place I always say is... Um, the, in, in the bang smack in the middle of the CBD of Brisbane is the post office square and that was the gallows where they would hang, you know, their prisoners and I think one of yep. the last publicly executed people was Dundali, an Aboriginal warrior, um, you know, and that's, you know, you know I'm sure, you know, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm likely to be sure that the majority of people who work in and around or just sort of walk through that street uh, at the top of Queen Street Mall, um, don't necessarily understand, or maybe don't even recognise or understand the history of what you know was happening in sort of in and around this location. You know, um, we have many um, uh, uh, places around this country that are still significant to Aboriginal uh, people, but you know, due to sort of what is built upon or, or, or what you know those areas are needed for now. Uh, we tend to sort of forget the significance of those areas, or or of the individuals who who took part in you know these battles and uh, or, or sadly lost their lives uh, in these areas as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I mean, Toowoomba is yeah, like you say, it's kind of a I think a lot of the Garden City, a peaceful place, and often um, you know when tourists come, they go to Picnic Point, and you have that iconic view of Mount Tabletop um, and yeah, many most people have no idea that that was the site of this famous battle um, there's a creation story about how Miwa uh, came to be um, and then yeah, that there's this great 
conspiracy of silence. Um, like when when the late great Uncle Darby McCarthy and I were, were campaigning to get the second range crossing named Multugger away, uh, I kind of discovered by accident we've had 14,000 street and road names um, after people, after all sorts of things, um, and not one has been named after an Aboriginal person, to the best of my knowledge. And I'm sure some of those names would be, you know, uh, early European settlers, uh, yep. explorers, and maybe yep. even uh, soldiers uh, who participated, yep. who actively uh, participated in, in you know, the theft or even, you know, the, the killing of Aboriginal people. You know, we see the celebration... Yep. All these individuals, yep. you know, memorialised in statues all over us, all over, you know, Australia and various different places. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Half in our city, there'd be household names, names of of little places like Hodgson Vale, um, yeah, used all the time, and they wouldn't understand the significance. Um, yeah, so so it's yeah, I, th- I think it's really important. And and then the great irony is that in the back in the day. In the 1840s, everyone, white or black, knew who Maltagara was and who Moppy was. Um, but then, yeah, as time moved on and, um, yeah, people became very, I guess, uncomfortable with, with sitting with that and how, how Aboriginal people, how they no longer, you know, they've never given sovereignty, but how the land came to be into white hands. Um, yeah, how do you explain that? And so we just kind of move on. And I think, you know, even as simple as there's a place called Gorman's Gap, uh, and one of Moppy, we think it was Multugra, but one of Moppy, or a few of Moppy's sons guided this guy Gorman. Now it's not called Moppy's Gap or, or Multugra's Gap. It's named after the white fellow who was guided through there. So yeah, so I guess that's that's part of our project um, to. I don't know, decolonise to, to, to start looking again at our past with more more honest eyes. I chatted to you uh, uh, earlier as well, and you kept and, and just then as well you brought up Uncle Darby. Um, I, mm. I, I, I'm sure I've never met uh, Unc, and, um, and you told some stories of how yeah you got together and you wanted to sort of do more and honour the name of of Maltagara. Uh, uh, and and the Battle of Miwar as well. Could you tell us a bit about the early stages in terms of wanting to get uh, something like the commemoration going, or even you know naming places after him as well? Yeah, um, Uncle Darby and I were on the um, Toowoomba City Council uh, Heritage Advisory Committee, and um, we were trying to raise the profile of of the culture and history in this place and one of the few examples was a group of um, year four students from Middle Ridge State School had learned that they had a great teacher who had um, told them taught them the history and the story of Maltugra and the Battle of Miwa and so they wrote a letter to the city council and said how come none of us know this what, what can we do and so after a lot of toing and froing a uh, three plaques. It was agreed that three plaques would be erected with a view of of Miwa, the site of that battle. Um, and so Darby and I uh, looked at that, and there was a comp- big compromise where the the um, telling of the story had been very much watered down. And at the end, it said, "Oh, there was a bit of miscommunication and." Uh, Peace was sought, and we never heard of Maltagra again. Kind of like Maltagra and his warriors, um, you know, sold up, uh, retired, and moved to the coast. Whereas in reality, uh, he was hunted down and pushed to the Rosewood Scrubs. And um, in Dr. Libby Connor's book, um, Dunderley, actually um, has the date of, of his death when he was killed. Um, so we. Um, yeah, we wanted to, to find out more, and we went down uh, to meet, meet with uh, Ray Kirkhove, who was doing a lot of research on the area, and yeah, we discovered, as I said before, this wasn't a one-day battle. This was a, a resistance campaign over a number of years, and so, yeah, we were um, keen to start 
commemorating. Um, and we've, um, I guess, borrowed um, in, in the best sense of the word off the, uh, the great work of the Friends of Mile Creek, uh, the Mile Creek Memorial each June. And so we're trying. It has a, ours has a different flavour, but still recognising uh, that part of our frontier uh, wars uh, on our nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this part of the yarn, I'd love for you to just to tell us a bit about uh, the Battle of Miwa and and sort of how it began and how it sort of escalated and then sort of you know how it ended and as well and you know what you know you sort of briefly you know uh, discussed about. Uh, uh, Multugger and sort of, you know, in Libby's book, it sort of, you know, gives the date and sort of uh, when he passes. But yeah, I'd love to to know a bit more about uh, the battle itself. Yeah, well, my, my, my understanding is that um, there, there was, uh, you know, like all good politicians, um, Multugger tried diplomacy, he tried negotiating, uh, he struck up a, a very strong friendship with a white settler called Tinker Campbell uh, from Westbrook. Um, but, yeah, things in the Lockyer Valley broke down. Um, and, and I think that, that, you know, from the Kilcoy massacre, um, you know, there, there was a great level of, um, um, I, guess, yeah, I guess, animosity because, because of it, this, all you know, the efforts that were being made to hunt down and, and, and kill and push Aboriginal people off their land. And so, um, yeah, on this day, uh, there was a, an ambush uh, where they um, led some of the, the white drays, the, the white settlers will bring drays of supplies up the range. And so um, it was a great tactic where they um, kind of created a, a decoy and got, and got these um, drays to come through uh, gap between um, Wandiyawa or Mount Davidson and Miwa tabletop, and um, they were blocked off. The the road was blocked, and they were trapped. And um, and so yeah, they they were um, uh, pushed um, into 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 a corner. Um, and then there's a story about how one um, one of one of you know these are the best and brightest and uh, of, of you know British settlers, um, and it's no, you know, that, that you had places here named after the great public schools, you know, Eton, Rugby, there are properties named after that. And so uh, one of these guys got a big a spear in his backside and um, the great, greatest um, kind of ignominy or, or embarrassment was it was thrown by you know, an Aboriginal woman. And then, then the story goes that they, they led them up and then they, um, towards... Uh, Miwara, and then there were boulders or rocks thrown down uh, at the at the white settlers. So they went back very much with their tails between their legs. Um, and then there was a a group, a bigger group of uh, settlers, like a, um, a vigilante party, um, and then um, Simpson, and then they called in the, the uh, troops. So yeah, things very much um, escalated from there. In relation to sort of um uh, you know, the New South Wales colony, because I still believe Queensland at that time was still a colony. Uh, well, sorry, wasn't what wasn't an own wasn't a is a is it uh, sorry wasn't wasn't its own state was still a part of New South Wales. Um, so would this have been the first defeat, you know, of the furthest sort of colony away from uh, Sydney or, or or anywhere sort of south? Yeah, kind of. Uh, so that yeah, the Morton Bay settlement, um, which is modern day Brisbane, uh, was there. Um, but yeah, the, it, this the the down the Darling Downs um, people people come from what we now know as northern New South Wales from the Liverpool Plain. Um, so there were yeah, people had come from from the north, and then there there were supplies now coming from uh, the Brisbane area. But it was still. Um, all at that stage, all the colony of New South Wales until 1859. Uh, but it very much a, a well, and I guess that's the thing, is that there are hundreds of battlegrounds across our nation and, and warriors like Multagra. Um, but this one was really well recorded. Um, there's a, um, 
a line drawing of a reprisal after the um, after the Battle of, of One Tree Hill uh, that has kind of a, a massacre. Um, and this line drawing by John Bull Taylor is actually in the National Library. Um, there's a little notebook there, so it's quite um, yeah qu- quite well publicised. And so that yeah, I guess that that's one of the reasons why we saw this was like emblematic. Um, doesn't mean it was. You know, there are many, but but this is one that we can definitely uh, say it happened at this time, at this place, and so it's important that we uh, acknowledge that. And that's and not sorry, you go sorry. Oh, and that's because of uh, I guess the impact that it had on the local area. So you know, um, yeah, lots of, lots of yeah. people obviously wrote about it. You know, lots of yeah. journalists. I'm yeah. sure. You know, uh, the 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 only way for communication in those times was obviously a letter. So I'm sure. You know, if if anybody has anybody up this area, uh, in and around sort of the uh, the Toowoomba Ranges area, the Darling Downs area, they're gonna you know check in uh, uh, on their loved ones, um, and yeah. vice versa. You know, people up here sort of calling and saying, "Hey, everything's all good up yeah. this way." Yeah. Um, yeah. And and um, and then there was this um, kind of a, I don't know whether you call it the noble you know, the honour of soldiers or whatever, where there was an acknowledgement from the from those white settlers that here was a here was an opponent worthy, uh, that, that had actually stood up with great courage and you know, everything that you acknowledge on a on a battlefield. So so that that was uh, that's another thing. And and I guess that's what one of the things I love about the Friends of Multuggery is we're not um seeing Aboriginal people as victims or, you know, that this is about agency and resistance and, um, yeah, a, a campaign that, um, you know, for many years succeeded. So we're actually celebrating a victory uh, at that time. Um, and, yeah, so it's it's good to be a part of. Um, so the 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 attack, the, the ambush that Montaga and the other Aboriginal warriors uh, led and 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 won. Could you tell us a bit about the the area? You know, was it sort of was was the battleground picked by Maltagara? Sort of, you know, was that a trading route uh, uh, for for the for the settlers to always go through, or were they sort of drawn to these areas um, as well? And I guess what was happening sort of locally, like uh, what was the Darling Downs area within that time in relation to um, any other settlement that is set up in and around sort of what is now modern day Queensland? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's been documented that often um, the roads, uh, the highways that we create have, have followed ancient pathways where Aboriginal people travelled through. So pathways would have would have gone in that way. But this, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a military historian, but this certainly was more in the kind of the, the Vietnam War or modern day Afghanistan where um, this this was fought on Maltagara's patch. Uh, he knew the country so well uh, and so he was able to, to kind of create these decoys and to, on this occasion, you know, lead lead the, um, the settlers into, into his domain. Um, and once, you know, horses are no good going up um, Miwa, um, and so they were able to be ambushed in that way. One interesting thing that you said on the day, and and just then as well as the victimisation of Aboriginal people, and the perception that Aboriginal people have always been victims, not just on the frontier but you know throughout history, um, necessarily yeah. victims. Because what we do know about history and our, or what our understanding is of history is, if you know, if it wasn't massacres, and if people aren't saying massacres, you know, they're pretty much saying Aboriginal people laid, you know, laid down to die and, and gave the land up. Well, in actual fact, what people like yourself and and Joshua Waters and, and and Ray and the many other people who are sort of creating agency and space for the truth, you know, we're actually starting to find out now that Aboriginal people just didn't fight. You know, what I mean, they they won multiple and battles. You know, to the point where certain areas for, for decades, you know, our Europeans wouldn't answer because of how skillful and resilient and, and brave and, 
uh, are these Aboriginal warriors and the frontier wars as well. And, you know, it, it, like that in itself, you know, it, it is amazing uh, and, and, is, yeah. and is what I want to capture with the podcast as well. Yeah, and, and this was our first year, the Australian Army. Um, there's a battalion uh, got in touch with us and we weren't sure how that was going to go. Uh, we, we listened, they listened to us, we listened to them. Uh, but, but their intentions were good that similarly they saw um, and they can see, you know, uh, the aspects of a warrior here with, with Maltugra and they wanted to, to pay their respects. And um, one of our members, uh, Mel Waters, is always big on don't forget what motivated uh, Maltugra, that, you know, he was keeper of the law. Um, and he wanted to uphold his law and also love of country and sacrifice. And so, you know, we create, you know, we've created um, this this central moment in, you know, every year the nation stops for Anzac Day. But all of those themes are, are played out so powerfully uh, on the 12th and 13th of September, 1843. Well, he's someone who loves their country, loves people, wants to bring about unity and in the end pays the ultimate sacrifice. So, yeah, I, I think we yeah, we, we really need to um, to be honouring um, Maltugra the same as we honour any other um, warriors. Well, I do want to get to that uh, point um, as well. But before I get there, I'd love... I've got two more questions and then I'll let you go. Uh, so this question, mm. uh, earlier on, uh, in our yarn, he mentioned uh, understanding history uh, and understanding where you live, and uh, yeah. uh, uh, um, you know, I guess strengthening the knowledge around what sort of happened, uh, where you're from, and and where you lived as well. You mentioned you're from around Gundawindi, uh, uh, where, you know, where my uh, grandmother comes from. Um, she's actually is Captain Gunnagul as well, um, yeah. and you know, understanding sort of that. One, the native, the Queensland Native Mountain Police uh, started there. Uh, for and for anybody uh, uh, um, wondering who that is, I have a chat uh, with Lindley Wallace about uh, uh, the brutality of the Queensland Mountain Police, um, mm. described as one of uh, the brutalist uh, 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 police forces uh, in Australia uh, as well, mm. uh, by by um, leading historian Henry Reynolds. Um, so definitely check that conversation out as well because we talk, we go in depth about you know uh, what happened, how long they were in certain places, and then mm. also the numbers of Aboriginal people uh, who who died at the hands of the Native Mounted Police yeah. as well, yeah. which was astonishing, astonishing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tell us a bit about you know uh, your journey in terms of learning the history of where you, you know where you grew up, where you're from, but then also and and where you lived and why that's important. Yeah, well, um, so yeah, I had a very white middle class um, childhood in Gundawindi. My dad was a veterinary, local veterinary surgeon, and uh, very, you know, at, at primary school we learned about the three properties, uh, you know, the white properties that made up what was what then became Gundawindi, uh, and one of those was called Umbacolli. And as it happens, my great 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 grandmother um, had. You know, she and, and a guy called Jonathan Young and Margaret Young um, were settlers uh, of that place. And so, you know, I was proud that you know, I, I had such long links uh, to this place. And at the same time, um, I, yeah, kind of became aware of um, how Aboriginal people were seen um, coming into... Uh, Gundawindi from Timalara and Bogabilla and this was uh, around the time of the uh, Human Rights Inquiry, uh, Justice Einfeld. And so I, I uh, started to get interested in um, Australian history. I saw in the back of this book, The Other Side of the Frontier by Henry Reynolds, all these references to the McIntyre River. And I discovered that there had been this huge um, campaign by the Bignable people um, where for something like 13 years uh, they had, um, you know, prevented white settlers moving into that area. And so I went away and did a, um, a year's concentrated research on that. And um, 
found that uh, Frederick Walker had set up the first native police station in Calendoon, um in, in that area. Uh, and actually, almost 10 years to the day after the Mile Creek massacre, uh, there was another massacre that occurred and there were so many similarities. And uh, one of my ancestors I actually found in the uh, New South Wales State Archives down in uh, at the rocks in Sydney at that time, I discovered <clears throat> letters where he had written to the authorities reporting, um, you know, these vigilante groups going around attacking uh, camps of Aboriginal, mainly Aboriginal women and children, um, you know, before the sun got up and, yeah, just woeful stuff. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I later... Um, with, with two other historians, wrote a book uh, about the dispossession of Aboriginal people on the Downs in the Southwest, and we called it One Hour More Daylight, because there was this battle uh, on a property called Carbucky, and Frederick Walker, the native mounted police guy, um, commandant, said, um, I wish I had one hour more daylight and I could have annihilated uh, that lot. And so we know, I called the book One Hour More Daylight, and the I guess the humility for me, I, I, you know, very proud of myself discovering all this stuff um, and I did my honours thesis. And then years and years later, I was working for a native title, doing some native title rep body up here. And, um, yeah, I found that Big and Bull people uh, had not been annihilated, that they had um, continued uh, to live in the area and survive. And I had to go back and there. You know, if you go to the University of Queensland, I've put a preface in the book to say I was wrong. Um, you know, that this, yeah, I, I guess there's a danger, and, and Ray Kirkhope talked about that, where you can almost, as we say, you almost victimise people and say, oh, no, they were, you know, they were completely wiped out, that there are no more, and you see that in Tasmania and other places. Um, so it's important uh, that people, have, you know, people have survived and that sovereignty um, hasn't been ceded. Yeah, so that kind of got me on the on the um, I, I got the bug with Australian history after that, and I see it as all of our history, not not just that's another difficulty. Sometimes it's compartmentalised. Oh, that's Aboriginal history, but it's it's shared history, and we mm. need to all own it. Yeah. And what does that do for I guess the not just the individual, the community, or like, or like the nation, knowing you know this history? You know, what does that have the potential? Yeah, I guess to do for uh, yeah. does, does yeah. it have potential um, for change? Does it have potential for yeah, yeah, what? You know what I mean? And 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 you know Yeah, uh, I can't I yeah, um but I can't I can't explain it, but my experience has been that um if you if you are willing if if you are willing to face the truth and tell the truth that um you know that 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 there can become, yeah, our relationship can become stronger uh, for Murray's, Corey's, and, and the broader non-Indigenous community. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I can't explain why. And I think that there's something there I've also <laughs> observed in white people where they can almost go over the top and talk about how guilty they are. And then it, then it just becomes about them again. You know, I, I need you to listen to my guilt. Um, so, yeah, this, so I don't know how we navigate that, but I, I do think that if we've got an honest telling of the story, acknowledging the story, and then working together, um, yeah, I, I think it can bring about healing. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, we've still got that unfinished business because, there I was, the year three student in Gundawindi State School, talking about my great 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 grandmother. But there's no receipt when she's got the title to that property called Umbercolly. Uh, that was never really paid for. Like, and and we still haven't really sort we haven't sorted that one out yet. Um, so I guess yeah, it's just sitting with that uncomfortability. But I think that's really important. Yeah, what's the government's role in these days, and should we? really look at memorialising, respecting, honouring, uh, commemorating Aboriginal warriors as if, as such, with uh, Anzacs? Yeah. Um, 
I'm sorry, I don't have a clear, uh, probably both end, you know, as a nation we need to stop. Uh, but then, uh, um, but also we, uh, I think they need, to, uh, the lo- there's a power in saying the local area. And, um, you know, I, I find one of the most powerful things I attend, I've been a number of times to the Mile Creek Memorial, but there's a danger in exceptionalising, meaning, oh, that was just a really bad one, and it, that happened over there. But it actually happened everywhere. Um, and so we need to keep working to understand what happened in our own towns and cities, um, right in the heart of our city, as you mentioned, with Dundalee. Um, so, yeah, I think both end. I think that we do need a national moment. And there needs to be a place... Um, in in you know in Canberra you know we have the Australian War Memorial but we need I mean if 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 the frontier <clears throat> if a number of lives lost on the Australian frontier can't be can't be incorporated as part of the Australian War Memorial then there should be a very strong separate uh, place that that is just as seen as just as important um, yeah they're they're my thoughts for what they were awesome. Um, just really quickly, if you are uh, listening to Frontier War Stories, this is episode 25. Um, and in this episode, I've, uh, I am chatting to Dr. Mark Copland. And before that, I had a chat with Joshua Waters, Gumroy Man. Uh, both of these uh, men are part of the Friends of Maltagora. Uh, on the 13th of September this year, and every year for the last seven years, They've been commemorating uh, the Battle of Miwa. Um, there is a video that is up um, that's on their Facebook page and also um, on their... There's a website that you, you guys are attached to. I forgot the name of it. Um, but there's an awesome video on there that is made uh, last year because of uh, uh, COVID and, and how things were going due to uh, um, lockdowns and... And you know, not allowed to have public gatherings and stuff as well. And, and I do watch people, urge people to watch that because it is an amazing uh, video that uh, was put together. Very good. Yeah, yeah. And I guess we we look to grow. You know, we look to grow and and um, commemorate in, in different ways each year. 